Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. It, it is so much easier, and I don't know if easier is the right word. It, it is, it's, it's a different feel to come and do work when you're doing it with other people when you're doing it side by side with, with other people, and when you know that so much more is getting done than the thing that you're doing. You know, it's, it was great to be able to know that I, while I was cleaning out the shed, at the exact same time, there was power washing happening. There was the building getting painted. The kitchen was getting cleaned out. We were, you know, emptying out the connex of all the trash, and, and all of these different things were happening, and I didn't have to be the one doing it. And, and everybody else that was doing it was thinking the exact same thing about all the other stuff that they weren't doing. And, and it's nice when, when we all come together and we all act as the body of Christ. And, and it's such a perfect illustration of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. Because if we just have one person that shows up to, to do church, you can't. It's, it's just not, it's not successful. It's not healthy. But when we all work together and we all come together to achieve what it is that we've been called to achieve, then that, that translates to success. That translates to health. It translates to progress, to growth, to all of the, the things that we are supposed to see in a healthy life. So this morning as we go back to basics, Kaylee, <laughs> I, I can still hear you. <laughs> I'm telling you it's all needed. There we go. <laughs> I'm hearing myself talk out of my microphone. All right. So this morning as we continue our series back to basics, where we are, are coming back to foundational truths. The, the, the points that are absolutely critical to living a healthy, to living a successful life as a follower of Christ. There's a, a book that these days a lot of, of expecting mothers get. It's called What to Expect When You're Expecting. <laughs> and I think it's pretty common, at least from the, the people that I know. I know Kaylee, you know, paid a lot of attention to it when, when she was, was first pregnant with Oliver. And it's a book that doesn't hold anything back. It just tells exactly what you, you are probably experiencing in this, this particular time period as your pregnancy progresses. And, and why did people want to know that? Why is it important to, to read something like that? Because it, it lets you know that what you're expecting is normal. I mean, could you imagine if, if you had no, if there was no information at all, if you were the first person in the world to become pregnant? And I can't. Um, <laughs> but as a mother, becoming the, the first person to experience that, and all of a sudden, you're wanting pickles, all of a sudden, you know, all of these other maybe less nice things start happening to you. 
there's something to be said for knowing, well, well that's okay. That's normal. That's to be expected. That's, that's part of this process. That's part of life that, that you need to be aware of. That's what we're going to talk about today, kind of what to expect when you're expecting, what to expect after you have made this decision. We've made the decision to follow Christ, and we, we talked last week about how important it is to, to allow Christ to, to participate with us. In, in the morning as we start our day, as we, we make that choice to give everything that we are to him. And so this morning we're going to, to look at what we are to expect as we now go through our day. And there's a specific point that we're going to talk about. And we actually talked about it a little bit when we were going through that study on the Lord's Prayer. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul says, No temptation has overtaken you but what is common to mankind. But God is faithful. That's a, just a great phrase altogether. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. There were, a few years ago, there was this, this girl in Colorado who was released from jail. She, she came out of jail and she was exclaiming, fine, just as I expected, I'm cured. No wedding bells for me. Kind of an odd thing for somebody to say when they've just been released from jail, right? But what happened was that she had actually sent herself to jail to prevent getting married. <laughs> it was the, the holiday season, and, and this girl by the name of uh, Margaret Caro was 17 years old, and she appeared in juvenile court, and she asked the judge to send her, to, to put her to jail until January 20th, the date of her wedding. The, she, she explained that that, that particular date was the, the date of her wedding, and if she could just be in jail for that time period, that would maybe help her to not get married. And she, did, she didn't really want to be married. See, she, she explained to the judge that she was engaged to a, a much older man, and she didn't really want to be married. The, the fact of the matter was that he was just so charming and so romantic when she, he would talk to her that she just couldn't control herself and she would do whatever it was that he said. And so she didn't trust herself to stay away from the marriage. She didn't trust herself to break it off. And so instead, she put herself in prison to avoid it. <laughs> kind of an odd approach. But the, the fact of the matter is we struggle with temptation very much the same way. You know, we, we laugh at, okay, can't you just say no? You know, why do you, why do you have to have yourself put in jail to, to do something like this? But sometimes there is something that exists in our life that we just, we, we feel powerless to resist. And we almost wish we could just lock ourselves up so that we don't have to deal with that particular thing in our lives anymore. 
If we look back, that's what the monks used to do. That's what nuns used to do. They would, would cloister themselves away. They would, would hide themselves away from the world. And, and to their thinking, they were hiding themselves away from the devil, tempting them. But as, as we know, and as I'm sure they found out, those four walls don't stop the devil from bringing temptation. There are three things that we, we want to recognize from this verse. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there are three buts. This conjunction but is used three times and it, each of these three times it's used significantly. The, the first principle that we need to understand is that if you're ever going to overcome temptation in your, in your life, you have to understand that everyone is subject to temptation. Every man, woman, boy or girl, is subject to temptation. And very often when, when you're going through temptation in your life, when, when that's a reality that is coming at you, it's easy to feel like you're the only one. It's easy to feel like no one else in the world has experienced that, the feeling, the temptation that you are experiencing in that moment. But if we paraphrase what, what Paul's saying, he says, remember the temptation that have come into your life are no different than what anybody else has experienced. There are, are people who, who go to the extreme of ending their life because they feel like they are, are so alone that they are the only ones who are being tested if we look at the second, but, but it is as common to man, but God is faithful. All are tempted, all are, are faced with these challenges, but God promises faithfulness. He promises faithfulness towards us in the midst of temptation, no matter how crazy they might be. That should be encouraging. That, that should bring hope that God is faithful in the midst of what we're going through. We're gonna look at that in a little bit more detail in a moment. But the truth is that God can break the bondage of sin. God breaks the, the bondage of temptation in anybody's life. God is able to deliver to the utmost. And this third but, if we take a look at, at the, the verse, but when you are tempted, you will also provide a way out. Victory is possible. 
the, the temptation that you are facing, the, the trial, the testing that you are going through is never hopeless. We, we will be tempted. That is a, a sad fact, a, a fact that exists in this world. God has promised faithfulness and he is able to deliver us. And thirdly, all can know victory in their lives. Before we go on any further, we need to, to understand a doctrine, a truth that is found in God's word. That very often when we, we look at it today, it can be misunderstood. It can be misinterpreted. What, what many overlook is that when you become a Christian, temptation and struggles don't go away. They, they remain a uh, reality. The, the, the feeling sometimes is, well, well I signed up. I, I'm a Christian now. I shouldn't have feelings like this. I shouldn't have thoughts like this. I shouldn't think about my neighbor this way that's bugging the living daylights out of me. I shouldn't have this, this feeling of lust towards someone. I, I, I shouldn't do the thing that I'm doing. I'm a Christian now and old things are supposed to pass away and all things are supposed to become new. And because I'm feeling this, then maybe I'm not saved at all. This is why we're having this conversation today. This is why we, we want to know what to expect when we're expecting, right? Because this tells us that no, it is normal. If we look at Romans 7, 21 through 23, that's the apostle Paul is describing how externally keeping the law, as Philippians says, he was blameless. He kept all the rules and regulations that were, were placed on him. But internally in his heart, there was a rule of sin. In his heart, he, he still sin, felt that he was sinning. The good things that he wanted to do, he couldn't do them. The bad things he didn't want to do, those were the things that he found himself doing. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says that the flesh strives against the spirit. It fights and wars against the spirit of God in us. That fleshly, human, old nature. Remember, yeah, it's supposed to, uh, old things are gone and have passed away, but that nature still exists and it, it tries to, to overcome that new nature. And Paul says, do not walk in that old nature in the flesh, but walk in the spirit that you may not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You have to recognize that there are two, two sides of a battle happening. 
And, and as you recognize that there's this battle happening internally, hopefully that helps to understand the reason why we struggle against sin. It's because it has not been completely eradicated within us. At the moment of our conversion, sin is not completely eradicated from within us. And that's why we need to pray just, just like the Lord taught us, right? Is lead us not into temptation. God, spare me from temptation. Or if I'm to go through temptation, deliver me from the evil that is governing in my life. We need to understand the purpose of temptation. Why, why does that exist? And, and many times it's, it's misunderstood that temptation is present because of something that we did wrong. Temptation is present because we were just too weak in this particular moment. That's not why. If we look at James chapter one, blessed is the man that endures temptation. We don't typically think about temptation as a, a blessing in our lives. It's a curse as far as we're concerned, right? No, nobody says, wow, I'm really glad I, I have that thing that I keep messing up on. But God says it's a blessing. we continue in James 1 verse 12, it says, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. What we have to understand right away is that for the believer, temptation is the will of God for us. And until we understand that, that now to be clear, not God isn't tempting us, but it's, he's allowing us to be tempted. And so in understanding that he is allowing that to take place, We start to, to understand that there must be a purpose. There must be a reason that we are going through what it is that we're going through. God says he allows us to go through the, the trials and the temptations of this life because it's for our good. It's how we grow. But it's also for the testing of our faith. We've talked before about what if, what if when you made the decision to follow Christ, everything in your life just became immediately easy? When you made the, the decision to, to allow Jesus to become Lord of your life, everything just, when all of the, the difficulties went away, any challenge that existed went away,
why would we need to trust in God ever again? Why would we need to have a relationship with Christ ever again if, if everything just got fixed right in that moment? It's through those hard, difficult times when we feel that the devil is facing us eyeball to eyeball, wanting us to sin, encouraging us to sin, pushing us to sin. It is then that we realize that when we cast ourselves on the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that temptation is there for our growth. There's a promise for the tempted. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is a way of escape for everyone. There is conquering and, and victory assured for everyone. Why? Because God is faithful. If there is nothing else that you walk away from this place this morning with, this should be it. That God is faithful. He will do what he says. Some people here this morning need to hear that God is faithful. He will do what he promises. He is the almighty the God, the God who is all sufficient, the God who has endless resources. Now, if the, the first step to victory over temptation is, is our added toward, attitude towards it, we're not to, to fear it, but by faith we're to accept that that is a reality in our life. The second step is this, to realize that in God there are limitless resources and power to overcome it. Why is that important? Why, why does that matter? It's important because I know, just like all of you know, that when that temptation in my life comes up, the first thing that the devil says is, well, you screwed up on this last time. Aren't you just going to screw up on this again? You, there, there's no way that, that you're going to be able to overcome this. And it really isn't that big of a deal. This is the sin that you can't overcome. This is something that is more powerful than you. This is something that is more powerful than your God. That's the, the conversation that he's bringing up. And you know what? He has the evidence. He has all of those past citations that, that, that he can call back to and say, look at that time on, on back in 2018 when you had that problem. Look at that time back in 2019 and every year since where you've had this issue. You have proven that you can't do this. And you start to believe. You start to believe the lie. And you say, yeah, you're right. I, I can't overcome this. But God's word says, this is my promise. You will know the truth. 
And the truth will set you free. When that dialogue is taking place, God says, what, what sin are you talking about? I don't have a, a, a recollection of that sin that you did back in 2018 where you fell to that temptation. I love you and I don't keep a record of the wrongs that you have done. My love is patient and kind. My love is, is all of those things that, that we long for. And the truth is that if you are in Christ, sin shall have no dominion over you. There is a provision for the tempted. When we come to the table and, and we participate in communion, we, we think of the cross. We, we're called to, to come and to remember what Jesus Christ did for us. At Calvary, we, we know that our sins were, were purged. That reconciliation came between God and man. That there was redemption. That we were, were bought back from the, the slave market of sin and we were made to be heirs into the kingdom of God. And, and we, we know all of those things are true and, and we, we praise God that that is, is what has happened. But do you realize that at Calvary, there was achieved once and for all for every believer, complete deliverance over the power of sin. It's, we, we have to know that. That's the basic that we're coming back to today, is that at the cross, there was complete deliverance over the power of sin. In Galatians 6, 14, it says, this enemy, the world, says, but God forbid, Paul says, that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Does that mean that you will never be tempted again? No. But it means that the power has been cut off that there is no longer strength in the world. The world is, is crucified unto me, it says, and I unto the world. Galatians 5, 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof. We talked about these, these two different sides of a battle that are happening inside of us the old nature, that old self, who I was before does not disappear. It can still cause problems. But by faith, 
I recognize that it has died with Christ 2,000 years ago. That that old self was nailed to a cross. Hebrews 2. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, the, the Lord Jesus also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. Through Jesus Christ dying on a cross, he destroyed the devil. Now is the devil destroyed today? Is, is he eradicated? Is he gone forever? Not yet. He's very much alive, but the fact of the matter is he is as good as dead because the Lord Jesus, when he was crucified on the cross, he defeated he who had the power of death. So we've seen the the purpose of temptation, the promise that we have as the tempted, the, the provision that has been made available. There is a power in Romans 8, verse 2, it says, we get tremendous power that becomes available to us. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. There is an author who, who said it this way. And, and they speak of a lot of the things that we're, we're talking about this morning. He says, all that the Father has promised. That was 1 Corinthians 10. And all that the Son provided, what we've just been talking about on the cross, the Holy Spirit performs in us. What Jesus made possible, the Holy Spirit makes actual. What Jesus did for us, the Holy Spirit does in us. If you were to get a, a poker for a, a fireplace and you were to just set it in the coals, hot coals, like a furnace, and you took it out after 10 minutes or so, that poker would be red hot. You would find that the nature of that metal had changed. It would be pulsating red. The fire had entered into the poker. Now, if you left that poker out of the fire for about 10 minutes, what would happen? The old nature would come back. The old nature would return. The, the red pulsating heat would have dissipated and disappeared. It hasn't been eradicated, but a new overcoming nature has, has taken over. Victory over temptation cannot come by me some way taking over that old person that old nature, and just saying, well, I'm going to choose to never be tempted again. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. It just, that, that can't happen. If it could happen that way, we would have already done it. 
There is a quote that says, God has not brought us to a position where it is impossible to sin, but he has brought us to a position where it is possible not to. He has not made it so that it is impossible for us to do wrong things. That's still our choice, but it is now possible for us not to. Everything that is bad in us is over time being replaced by what is good in Jesus Christ. You talk to people all the time, you say, I can't help it. I'm just naturally bad-tempered. I'm, I'm naturally an upset person. I, I naturally have this particular problem that exists in my life. I, I, there's just nothing I can do about it. It's hereditary. The problem with that assertion, the problem with that statement is that may very well be who you are naturally. But you have been called to replace who you are naturally with who Christ is supernaturally. I have been called to be transformed. I can't do it. And that, that's right, you can't do it. The reason why Jesus died on a cross and rose again three days later is that he wants to live his life through you. The only life that God is pleased with is a life that includes Christ. And the only way that you can live a Christian life is to let Christ live his life through you. Back to basics. We've made the choice. Now what? That's, that's what the Christian life is. It's not this, you know, ream of rules. We were watching the, the Pirates of the Caribbean last night, and they, they talk about the, the code, the pirate code. And at one point, they have to bring out the pirate code. And this is the, the rules that all pirates have to live by. And it's this book that's about this long. And, and how is anybody going to live their life successfully if, the, if you have to meet every single one of those requirements. Success in the Christian life, health, growth in the Christian life is not a matter of following a ream of rules and regulations. It's to die to yourself. It's to recognize that my old self has been nailed to the cross and to allow a greater power than any sin that I will face to rule in my life. Back to basics. For some of you, this is, this is new information. It's, it's, hopefully this is maybe a little encouraging all of those struggles that you were facing that you were thinking, man, I, I thought I was supposed to be past this by now. Sorry. <laughs> Hopefully this is encouraging to know that, yes, you are going to continue to face those struggles, but 
Christ is with you. There is victory for you. And guess what? Once you overcome that struggle, that temptation that you are facing, there's going to be another one. And maybe for those of you that are here that say, Matt, we, we know that we have access to the power of God's will. Maybe it's good for us to be reminded. Maybe it's good for this to come back to us and say, I don't have to do this on my own. So often we find ourselves in the midst of struggle and hardship and, and only then at the lowest point when everything else has gone wrong, we say, God, I need your help. He said, I've been here the whole time. Just turn around. I, I, I was with you. I've, I was just waiting for you to ask. It's not our responsibility to carry the, the weight that we carry on our own. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who is with us. You are a God who desires to be with his children. And through the cross, through Calvary, you made a way for that to happen. And God, as we go through life, as we go through the challenges and the trials and the temptations that, that we are going to face, that, that are just a natural part of this fallen world, God, help us to lean on you. Help us to come to you and recognize our inability to do it on our own. Heavenly Father, we, we come this morning and we thank you that you are with us. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop.